All the time. All the time. God is good. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I've Every once in a while, someone will say to me, why don't you just uh, get somebody else to speak or something so you'll get a break? I love speaking. I love putting my messages together. And I love this message today, and I'm so excited about it. Amen. And I'm going to talk to you with the help of the Lord on the Holy Spirit and the promise. Praise God. The Holy Spirit and the promise. And I'm going to read to you and then allow you to be seated at Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. We have a tremendous amount of reading today. Uh, it's great whenever you can just read the word of the Lord and get your, get your, uh, make your decision. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass that in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, I like a, just a little bit of humor. How, you, would you like a little humor this morning? Amen. Praise God. It says, you young men shall see visions. I can do this now that I'm old, I guess. If I was young, it would be kind of a, a, a maybe a not so good. But since I'm older, amen, I, I often used to say that, amen, that your young men shall see visions. The old men shall dream dreams. And that's because us old men are too blind now to see visions. Praise God. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I really think that is. And that is, that's the fact that visions are of the past and dream. I'm sorry, visions are of the future and dreams are of the past. And that's not a bad thing because, amen, when you're young, you have visions of what God is going to do in your life. And when you have dreams, you're going through the hardships of knowing that someday you're going to be gone. And you have dreams of what God has done in your life to give you the, the, the security. Praise God. I know what God, when an, when an elderly person stands up and in the middle of a situation says, I know what God has done in my past. Right. I remember. I remember when we didn't have food and God brought food to my house. I remember when I couldn't pay a bill, and God blessed, brought. So young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. Lord, I love you, and I praise you for this day. I thank you for your word, asking you, Lord, to help me, dear Lord, as I speak your word to your people. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. I'm going to read to you in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, and it'll be on your overhead. And this was written some 800 years prior to uh, the day of Pentecost. In Jeremiah 31, 31, uh, the Lord speaks unto them, and he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I've made with their fathers, which was Abraham, in the day that I took them out of the hand and uh, out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Now, here's where it gets really good. That, but this shall be the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law on their inward parts. 
Now, see, he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, praise God, and told Moses, you follow the Ten Commandments. But he's speaking here, uh, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he's saying to them, he's saying that I'm not going to just put it on the Ten Commandments on stone, but I want to write it in your heart. I want it to be in your heart. But in those days, saith the Lord, I put my word on the inward hearts, inward parts. And write it in their hearts, and we will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, Paul picked up on this in Hebrews and quoted from this. So this lets us know that uh, Paul, um, you know, when you, when you take one God, man of God, and he quotes from another man of God, then you know that they accept each other's... Um, others uh, word and uh, thoughts verse 34 and they shall teach no more any man his neighbor Um, in other words praise the Lord uh, what it's saying there is it's saying that you're not going to need the Ten Commandments to live for God anymore you're going to have the, the, the the word of God inside your heart it's going to be in you praise God and so amen and know from the least in them to the greatest, saith the Lord, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. Aren't you glad God has the ability to forget your sins? It's too bad those that are against you can't forget them, right? But God has the ability to forgive you of your sins. You know, I feel like David a lot. David said to the Lord when the Lord uh, said, okay, what, what do you want your punishment to be? The Lord said to, uh, David said to the Lord, he said, Lord, I, I would rather you deal with me than man because you're more uh, gracious than man is. And so, about 800 years prior, amen, we read where the Lord said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah quoted about how God was going to write his law on the inward parts. In Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter quoted from Joel 2 and 28. Praise God. Now this is from Joel 2 and 28. And it says, And it shall come to pass after that, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. We did read that. And then upon your servants and upon your handmaidens, in those days will I pour out my spirit. So, amen, he talked about, it, Joel talked about how that in the last days that God was going to pour out his spirit. Peter also told them in Acts chapter 2, Acts 2 and 15, he said, For these are not drunk as ye suppose. So in the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost was poured out on them, Peter stood unto them, he said, They're not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. Now, um, He didn't say they weren't drunk totally. He said they were not drunk as you suppose. Because when they got the Holy Ghost, amen, the Holy Ghost, amen, is a typical part or is a typology of the new wine or whatever. Uh, When somebody drinks wine or alcohol, something like when my boys asked me, he's like, Dad, they said, uh, what, about, what about drinking? What about drinking? And I just didn't even get into the big discussion. I just simply told them, look, I've got enough uncles that could not hold a job because of the alcohol. I decided I wasn't even going to go around it. 
because you just, it's controlling. People do things when they're drunk that they never would really do things. So, praise God, alcohol uh, changes a man's uh, and a woman's character. There are women that, and men that do things. There are DUIs that would never be DUIs if, of course, you know, if, they, if alcohol wasn't the only thing that made them like that. But the thing of it is, amen, when a person gets the Holy Ghost, uh, it will make them, it can, it'll affect them, their spirit, just like alcohol will affect a person's spirit. People drink to feel better. People, when they get the Holy Ghost or when they have the Holy Ghost inside of them, it makes them feel better. Praise the Lord. So they were affected much like somebody that was drunk. Praise God. And Peter on the day, they, they looked at him. They said, they're drunk. They're drunk. Look at them. They're staggering. They're, they're drunk. Praise God. They're speaking. And you know, it's kind of crazy to me, praise the Lord, how that people can really reach far to get something, but they tried to undermine what was going on there. And they said, hey, man, these men are drunk. Why? Because they're talking a language they've not learned. Well, I don't know about you, but anybody that ever got drunk did not learn a foreign language. Praise God. Amen. And so, matter of fact, when you get drunk on alcohol or wine or whatever, you're a little more or less sensible than you were be if you were sober, hopefully. Maybe some people would be smarter. I don't know. But anyways, hey man, you know, so they said these men are drunk, are not drunk as you suppose, he meant, because they learned another language. The Holy Ghost spoke through them. The Holy Ghost took complete control of their body, even to the point that it spoke through them in another language. The Bible, James tells us that the tongue is the most unruly member. Amen. And when you, your tongue is the most unruly member. And when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, they opened up to God so completely that God spoke through them in another language. And he spoke through them. And so they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost there that day. Amen. With, uh, you know, with the Holy Ghost. And so... Peter told them, amen, you're not drunk, as we suppose. But it was called the new covenant that came, or the grace dispensation. There has never been a time in, the, in humanity where God has strove to live so close to a, per, to, a, 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 to a human. You see, in the Old Testament, amen, God lived in places... Amen. Like he talked to Moses on a burning bush. Moses had to go up to the mountain to see him. There were different places in which God was. He was in the tabernacle and he was in the temple. And so that's where the the spirit of God was. But never before in the human history did God come so close to living inside of a person. Except on the day of Pentecost. Praise God. You see... There's a thing called dispensation. A dispensation is a period of time in which God deals with man in a certain way. There were many dispensations. The first dispensation is innocence. Praise God. The first dispensation is innocence. 
innocence was when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were innocent, praise the Lord. And he sat and he talked to them. He dealt with them, praise God. And they were innocent in their ways. But every dispensation, hey man, there's an action that breaks that to where God could no longer deal with them like that. And so God was dealing with Adam and Eve in their innocence. But because they decided to take upon sin, hey man, and eat of the fruit that God told them not to eat of, lest they die, and it's not so much the fruit, it was the rebellion against God where God told them not to do that. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of things, amen, in life, amen, that uh, God has said don't touch and you won't understand why, but you just don't do it. And so because they did that, their innocence was broken. So God began to deal with them later in the biblical scriptures with Cain and Abel. He tried to deal with their conscience. And so he talked to Cain and he talked to Abel. <clears throat> and when Cain killed Abel, God tried his best to, uh, uh, to uh, talk to Cain. And, and Cain, <clears throat> excuse me. Cain couldn't be talked to. So God ended up having to get rid of conscience, and then he began to deal with human government. And so he set up human government. Well, Nimrod come along, and Nimrod uh, uh, was a mighty hunter, and he ended up coming along and breaking that human government so God turned, he, all this time, now I hope you realize that in the Old Testament, <clears throat> the first 2,000 years God dealt, from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 12, is 2,000 years of the Old Testament. Did you realize that? And then from Genesis chapter 12, all the way through to the end of the Old Testament, is another 2,000 years. So God tried to deal with the world. He couldn't deal with the world. So he ended up turning around, and he ended up trying to deal with one person in a church, a nation. So he called out Moses, or no, uh, Abraham. Whew. I get them all. I do that with my kids. George? Justin? No, Caleb. Now it's grandkids. Liam? All of them. Anyways, he called out Abraham, and he made a dispensation where, or a period of time when he began to deal with Abraham. And, of course, Abraham down through, and then after Abraham was gone, came the dispensation of law. And the law was the Ten Commandments and everything else. And then, because the law could not do what it was supposed to do, God says, I'm going to take the law from the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to write them on your heart. I'm going to give you my spirit so that you will have a closeness with me and a love with me. And we're going to talk about what that spirit does. There's some things that it does. Amen. But I'm going to put my spirit down inside of you. So this next one, of course, was the dispensation of grace. It started in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, you see the law was up until Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in the book of Acts, it started what was called the dispensation of grace. 
Up until that point, God could not live inside of a human being because that human being was sinful. But because of Calvary, he was able to wipe away that sin and he was able to come in. I want us to realize this morning how great it is to have the Holy Ghost living down inside of us. How great it is that we don't have to go to a tabernacle or a church. Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be weird? Or not weird? Wouldn't it be bad if you had to come to church to feel God? Wouldn't it be a bad thing if you had to come to church to get your prayers answered? <clears throat> that you could not feel Him in your car or your home? Wouldn't it be bad? You see, that, was, that is the greatest dispensation. And then, of course, there's the dispensation of the millennium, which is the seventh dispensation, and that is the thousand years after the rapture. Praise God. You see, in grace, man is being shown favor, which we're not worthy to receive. Grace, the grace period. You know what's amazing? There were things that, was, wasn't it a man in the Old Testament? Amen. That was caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath and they stoned him. Amen. And today, isn't it amazing? Praise God. How God (coughs) moves today on you and me. (coughs) Excuse me. And how he shows us favor. God in the New Testament gave us favor without our being worthy of it. He gives us mercy without us being worthy of it. He gave us love without us being worthy of it. He gave us forgiveness without us being worthy of it. And last but not least, he gave us time without us being worthy of it. Let us just give the Lord a hand of praise for that today. <clears throat> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm just... When the King... When the King James Version <clears throat> wrote or translated the Bible, they used the word ghost. If you read the Bible, it reads Holy Ghost. They used that word for the Spirit. It's not wrong that they used that word. Um... It's not, it's not wrong that they did it. It means the same thing. Here, let me just give you a little, little idea or a little education about translation. Translation, the Bible was written both in the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, okay? And um, I had a year of Greek in Bible college, and the thing of it is it was written in Greek, and Greek is the most perfect language. If it was written in the English language, we'd be in trouble. There's nothing wrong with translating either ghost or spirit, praise God, as long as the meaning is the same. So when you translate the Bible from Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, and you translate it to English, as long as you are translating the thought the same, you're okay. The problem is, is when you try to change the thought. Okay? Because if I say sky and someone in, in, in Italian says sky or someone in German says sky, it's all sky. 
So when you look at the Holy Ghost or when you look at the Holy Spirit, those two words are, are, are uh, intermingle. You can use them both. Praise God. And when you use the word grace, grace comes from the word like graciousness. Amen. Grace is God giving us blessings when we really don't deserve it. I'm telling you, none of us in here deserve it. Amen. Praise God. And, but God gives it that. Paul tells us in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians 1 and 6 and us today, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the be- beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So God has given us the grace, and because he's given us the grace, he's given us that ability to have his presence and his spirit in our lives. When a person is talking to God, and when a person is having a relationship with God, they'll feel more, they'll feel God more and more. And God is a respecter of persons. God will not force himself upon you. The devil will force himself upon you, and he'll do it through fear. He will make you open the door and let him in out of fear. But when it comes to God, God only knocks on your door, and it's up to you to open it. God won't force himself on you. He'll only allow, he'll only go as far as you allow him to go with your, with your personality or your, 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 who you are. If you, if you open up and allow God into certain areas of your life, then God will do that. Praise God. And so there are areas in our life sometimes that doors like closets in our lives where we lock it and we say, okay, God, you can't go there. You can't go there for, because I don't trust you because you allowed something to happen in my life and you did something, you allowed this to happen, <clears throat> you allowed this to go on and so I don't trust you anymore. And so you can't go into that part of my life. And so when you do that, you lock God out. <clears throat> and so, but you've got to open up and let him in. Amen. But when the Holy Ghost came on the And by the way, on the day of Pentecost, they did not have PA system. Praise God. John foretold of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, he said, I now baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus also foretold, amen, about the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, to whom 
Also, he showed himself alive after his passion, not many days, um, not, I'm sorry, passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He picks up in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized of water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so Jesus told them, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for this wonderful gift. Praise God. Amen. And in Acts chapter 2, it picks up, amen, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were waiting for a specific day for the Holy Ghost to be poured out for the very first time. Um, In the Old Testament, they had the Passover, which was Easter. We used it as Easter. It's the death of Christ. And then 50 days later, they had what was called the Day of Pentecost, which was the first initial outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And so, amen. There was 50 days uh, there in between. And so, uh, uh, so they were waiting for a particular day. From that day, no one has to wait on, to receive the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. Praise God. Amen. Um, they, you just, the moment you're open for it, you're ready for it. But you have to be willing to let the Lord take complete control of your life. It's the complete control. Amen. And so he told them to wait. It was the new birth. So, amen. What are the reasons why, amen, that the, the Lord uh, has given us that new birth? Well, first of all, the reason that God gave us the new birth is that it is a new birth or a new beginning. Amen. It's a new beginning. We like New Year's because it's a new beginning. We like a new day because it's a new thing. I get tired, I go to bed, I get to sleep, and I wake up in the morning, and uh, it's a new day. I got a new day. I got a new start. I got a new thing in life. There's some people, they'll leave one area and move into another because they need a new beginning, a new start. And that's fine. But that's what the Holy Ghost does. It gives us a new beginning. Amen. When we come to him in our sins and in our transgressions, Amen. And he touches us, amen, with a new beginning. He told uh, Nicodemus about this. And we're not going to pick it up in verse 1, but we're going to pick it up in verse 3. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, very I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. And then he, then he kind of explains, That which is born in the flesh is flesh, and that which is born in the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. And so... Amen. 
Jesus lets them know that this new birth that's common is <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost because he said, he told him, he said, the wind bloweth where it listeneth, thou hearest the sound. If you go back to the book of Acts, you'll find that the Bible says that the Holy Ghost came in as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And it, there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And so when the Holy Ghost moved in there, it was a new birth. Praise God, it was a new beginning. So what happens to us? Uh, well, first of all, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he said unto them, first of all, he said, repent, uh, which means to ask God for the forgiveness of your sins, which is a dying out to self. You see, praise the Lord, before I came to the Lord, I, I got my life in a mess. And so I need to die out to self. Self will take you in areas that are self-destructive to you. And they're self-destructive to me. Praise God. And even after living for the Lord or after receiving the Holy Ghost, if I start living in the flesh, I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm searching the radio and I get a, a, a song that is not a Christian song. And, um, and it, it may talk about, I dug my keys into the side of his beautiful four-wheel drive, mark my name. You all know you're smiling. Praise God. I'll hear that song, and I want to leave it on, man, because that, yeah, that's what I did to him. I praise God. I messed him up. I fixed him good, you know. And I'm like, no flesh, no flesh, no flesh. And so I'll search for a Christian station to get on. So there's a reason why those songs are so popular, praise God, because they work in our flesh side. And so, but that flesh I have to crucify. Paul says I crucify that flesh daily. And so when I ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins, my initial, and I ask God to, I repented, I died out to self. Well, since I died, I had to be buried. So that's why Paul says that they took him in baptism, to go to baptism, because you're buried. You're buried with the Lord Jesus Christ, so that when you go down into the grave, and you come up out of that grave, then you begin to walk, what, in the Spirit. Well, you have to receive the Spirit, praise God, for, it, for, it to, for you to be able to walk in it. And so now you're born again. So it is a new life in Christ. So the way to get into the door of heaven is is through what Peter told them on the day of Pentecost. And some say, well, that was Peter's doctrine, and Paul has a different doctrine. Well, Paul has a different doctrine when it comes to circumcision, but there's no proof in the Bible where he changed the apostolic doctrine. Matter of fact, Peter said a little later in Acts chapter 2 and 39, for the promises unto you and your children to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So... Amen. One of the reasons why that God has given us that baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we need to, and, and the reason that I think the Lord has wanted me to talk to you about that today is because I think he wants us to kind of regenerate in our mind that we really appreciate that Holy Ghost. Because the problem with some things is because they come so regularly, they don't mean anything. If you don't pay for something. I had a friend of mine, <clears throat> his boy wrapped his uh, $30,000 or $40,000 car around a pole. And he looked at me and he said, does that boy realize how much sweat ran down my back to make that car? 
I said, no, he doesn't realize how much sweat ran down your back to make that car. That's why he wrapped it around that pool. <laughs> if we don't pay for something or it doesn't cost us anything, there's no appreciation of it. And the Holy Ghost is so freely, it's there all the time. It's constantly knocking at our door. We really need to realize how good we got it by having the Holy Ghost in our lives. And I think we ought to just give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Because he gave us that spirit. And I have the ability to have it inside. And I'll be honest with you, there are times I've done things I shouldn't have done with the Holy Ghost there. And, and, and so, second of all, praise God, it is an act of regeneration of the heart. Titus 3 and 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and the regeneration and the renewing and the Holy Ghost. So he renews us in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So when the Holy Ghost comes in, it renews us. And the Holy Ghost isn't something you just accept once and then move on. The Holy Ghost is something that you've got to let have control all along. Praise God. And you have it regenerate you. Praise God. You got to go back to the altar and you got to let the Holy Ghost flow through you again. Amen. And again. And again. And again. Praise God. Praise God. Number two, number three, it is declared to be Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1 and 27 says, to whom God would make known unto us the riches of his glory and this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, God is a spirit. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. God created the world. God created Adam and Eve. God created everything that existed. God saw that Adam and Eve fell and was uh, in sin. Praise God. And God began to deal with the sin. And so, amen. Adam and Eve, uh, uh, of course, sinned, and God dealt with that. So God decided that he was going to make a savior. So God robed himself in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. That's why the Spirit of God moved upon Mary, and Mary brought forth a child. Now, that Jesus is the Holy Ghost inside him. He was God in flesh, and the Spirit of God was in him. But one day, Jesus says, I'm with you, but I'll be in you. And that mean, he, what he was talking about was he was talking about that Holy Ghost that was in him was going to be in them, praise God. But before they could do that, Christ had to die on Calvary and take our sins so that Christ could come inside of us. Amen. Praise God. And regenerate us. Or remake us. And so we're regenerated. In other words, we're remade. Verse number four. Repentance is our death. Baptism is our resurrection. If that's all that existed, praise the Lord, then we would be dead laying in a grave without no ability to live. But because he gives us the Holy Ghost, it gives us the ability to live on. Colossians 2 and 12 said that you're buried with him in baptism, 
wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And then, of course, you know, Acts 2.38 tells us about repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. And then number five, it is to lead and to guide us into all truth. Praise the Lord. Where, uh, where in the Old Testament, they had the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. How do you know you're not supposed to lie? Praise God. Well, I'm obeying that Ten Commandments. Now you say, well, I'm obeying the Holy Ghost down inside. Praise the Lord. It's the Holy Ghost that causes me to live for the Lord. You know, when someone says, why do you do what you do? You don't want to say to them, it's because my church preaches it. It's because my pastor. That's, that's why, amen, I never make anybody live for God. I've had people that have left this church and to go to another church, and they simply told me, amen, that pastor will make my kids live for God. I'm like, what do you, you, you if, if they don't do right, he will deal with them over the pulpit, and that's why we're going back here. And I'm like, well, it ain't ever going to happen here. <laughs> Praise God. That's, that's almost on the borderline of an occult. Right. Praise God. You know, if, if, if people leave the presence of the Lord or the Spirit of God, it's nothing with me. It's between them and God. Right. Praise God. Your relationship with God, your salvation with God is between you and God. You know, we so much worry about what other people think. It's not what other people think. It's what God thinks. Amen. I was told one time, hey, man, you could probably bring that into your home, but you better not let anybody know you got it. I said, I'm not going to do that. Because if, if some people struggle over it, it wasn't anything bad. It was just some people struggled with that kind of thing. And I said, I'm not going to do that. Praise God. I'm not going to hide it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because it's, it's, it's got to do with God. Amen. But the Holy Ghost is the thing. You've got to live for God because of the Holy Ghost. You can't live for God because of the preacher. You can't live for God because of the Sunday school preacher. You can't live for God because of the church. You've got to live for God because you love God. You love Him in your heart. That Holy Ghost is in there. And I do this because... I love him, and I want to feel his presence. And all he has to say to me is, do you want to feel my presence? Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Praise God, because I've got that Holy Ghost inside. It's leading and guiding me into all truth. There are some things that you'll deal with today that God didn't put them in Scripture and says, thou shalt not do that. Because their developments, the internet was not developed back then. Praise God. I'm not saying the, the internet is wrong. I'm saying if you use it for a wrong purpose, it's wrong. You use it for a right purpose, it's right. But there are some things that the Holy Ghost can lead and guide you. Let me give you a good example. He can even help you in your everyday lives. Thursday, I was running my route. And I was trying to make the best of it. I had to. I had three or four hours of work in Toronto that I had to go do. And I, I, so I was running my route, 
And so I, Toronto was supposed to be done on Thursday. So it was Thursday. And it was supposed to be done. So generally I do it. I don't let anything get a day behind. And, but I says, no, I'm, I'm not going to run down there and, and run late uh, to do what I need to do. I will go ahead and work in Toronto, uh, East Liverpool today and get tomorrow's work done. And then I'll go down there on Friday. Well, I did. Friday I did my morning stuff. And I drove into Toronto at 11 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. My phone rang. It was a store in Toronto that had a bunch of stuff for us to get for the church, donate to the church. Now, I'm in Toronto once a month. I just ha- I'm like, did you happen to see me in Toronto? She's like, no, I'm at home back in Wellsburg. And I'm like, okay. You see how the Lord can just drop things even in your natural life and help you with the Holy Ghost? Praise God. And so, amen, uh, I, I mean, I was right there. I filled my truck so full I looked like the pack woman or man driving through town. I had Easter bunnies hanging out everywhere. And I was like, amen, I was like them when they was dealing with the loaves and fishes. I called Brother uh, Stort, and I said, Brother Stort, I'm in town. I need help. Would you bring your car over? And we packed his car. And for those of you that came in late downstairs at the table where the desserts are always, there are there is a ton of Easter stuff that you're more welcome to go through and get. And it blessed us with a ton of candy for our kids. And a bunch of eggs. I probably got, oh my God, thousands of eggs, plastic eggs. But anyways, you see how the Lord can take your day and even help you in a physical way? Praise God. I went down, I got a call Monday and had to drive clear to Toronto and get it Monday and back. But it was a rainy day, so I was getting a lot of stuff done. But I think I just told the Lord, I said, thank you, God. You know, and so he can even just work in your natural life. But that's what the Holy Ghost does. That's what leaning on the Holy Ghost and helping you with your natural life. Number six, to receive power to live an overcoming life. Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I am going to say this. If you don't know whether you got the Holy Ghost or not, you need to continue. I'm sure that God is moving in your life, and I'm sure that God is dealing, the Holy Ghost is dealing with you. I'm not taking away from anything that God has given you. But I'm going to say this. If you doubt it, you need to go until you don't doubt it anymore. Let me give you a nice example. Um, we were wiring the basement men's bathroom many, many years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, I flipped the switch on, and uh, Danny Conger was to go up, and or it was Kurt McAfee, one or the other, was to go up, and they were to wire the light. And so he put the metal chair down in that damp room, he climbed up on there. Well, the switch was off. 
and he grabbed the wire to to put the light to wire the light and he jumped down he said that shocked me and uh, I think it was Kurt and Danny and I were like look if you're not man enough to wire that I'll get it it was probably static electricity I mean that's just the way we worked back there well, he decided he was going to get up there. and I mean, I've been bit a lot with 110. My son will not even work on anything that's powered. But I don't. 220, I stay away from unless it's off. But 110, uh, so he climbs up there. Well, when he went to put the wire together, this time I watched the light flicker. So there was power. But he got a hold of it so much that time. He come down off that chair. I'm telling you, he, 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 you could say he wasn't a man all you want. He wasn't getting back up on there. Why? Because he knew there were power in that line. And I'm just saying to you today, praise God, isn't it wonderful to have the Holy Ghost to the point you know you got it? You know it's there? Praise God. And, and so he said, ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. And, and you know that power is there, praise God. You know that God's alive. There's no question in your mind. You know he's there. You know, you, you love him. You feel his presence. You feel his spirit, praise God. And then last but not least, number seven, the Holy Ghost unites us in one body. Isn't it great that we can all come together? We're different ages. We have different thoughts, different mentalities, different everything else. We all don't like the same food. We all don't like to watch the same programs. We all struggle with our different things that we struggle with. Praise God. Uh, you know, some uh, like snow. Some don't like snow. Some likes cold. Some don't like cold. You know, some, you know, they, we're just so different in so many ways, but we all get together and we feel the unity of the Holy Ghost. We can go into another town, into another church. Brother Corsi and Sister Corsi can move here. They can come and be amongst us. Amen. And, and, and uh, even though they're different and we're different, but praise God, we've all got the same Father. We've all got the same Spirit. We've all got the same Holy Ghost. Praise God. And it brings us together and it unites us. Praise God. Brother Conrad come moved here. And uh, it, it wasn't maybe the first or second service that all of a sudden, he, man, we were like brothers and grew up together. Because we both had the same spirit inside of us, the Holy Ghost. And that, so it unites the church. It comes together. You know, on the, on, back in the Old Testament, and I'm going to get ready to close here. Back in the Old Testament, when Nimrod went to build that big tower, and they all spoke one language, and they all could talk to each other, and everything was good. Praise God. And they began to build that tower, and the Lord looked down on them, and he said, there's unity there. Praise the Lord, because they are of one language. And he says, and I want to break up that unity. He says, because that unity, he's, you know, God himself, without God helping them, God said himself that he was concerned about what they could do. It's not that they could do something that God wouldn't let them do, but it's just that God would have to deal with them with what they were going to do. And God says, hey, man, they got a lot of power because they have unity. And so on the day of Pentecost, when they all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
They were unified. They were so unified that 3,000 of them received the salvational message. Praise God. They came together. Amen. You know what? They came together and they were so unified. They were selling everything they had and started moving in with each other. And then the flesh began to work. Then there was divisions and everything else. But they were so unified to begin with. They said, let's just all, which I don't, I don't think you ought to do that. I would never have that kind of thing. But they would say, they all wanted to move in together and say, let's all help each other. We're all one. And then all of a sudden, the lazy started to get lazy in the flesh. And the working started to get a little upset about the working and the serving and all that. And all of a sudden, before you know, you had real church. <laughs> real church. Praise God. You love the Lord today. You love your brothers and your sisters. Praise God. Isn't it great? Brother Mike Wood's going to come. He's not in here. Brother Mike Wood's going to come preaching tonight. Let's get behind him. Let's have good church. Praise God. It doesn't matter who's doing what. Amen. As long as we're doing something for the Lord, let's get behind it. and Let's trust God and believe God. And let's, uh, let's, let's not have division. Amen. And so the Lord is good. Let's all stand. Praise God. How many is glad for the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is something that you never have enough of. You've got to continue to go back and get it. Do you know how you can eat and get full, but then tomorrow you're hungry? That's what the Holy Ghost does. Praise God. Lord, we love you, God. Praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move. Let us depart from this place but not from your presence, God. Bring us back at your appointed time. And God, we're going to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?